Podcast. This is a weekly podcast by Denver Transplants. I'm Andrew. And I am Matt. And this is you, I'm from here. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello, everyone. Episode 37. How we doing? How you doing, Sweat? I'm excellent. The only thing I'm sad about is, of all things that we didn't do this weekend, we didn't go to the Country Jam up in, was it Junction? Colorado Junction, there was like a huge country festival where oh, really? boots, like wear your cutoffs, wear your cowboy hat, like really just embrace kind of country, kind of fun all together. I mean, you saw the, the, we did a dive bar crawl this weekend. So I had my jorts and my uh, Natty Light button down on. So I at least was in the spirit in my mullet wig, obviously, but yeah. Could have showed it what a sweat. That's all right. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll go next year. I would say there was a uh, coming home on I-70. I've never seen this before, but if you are interested in like crazy things that happened this weekend, Google I-70 mudslide Glenwood Canyon. It's nuts. They shut down the entire interstate. It is back open now, but it was closed this weekend. And I can't imagine the traffic that was dealt with on I-70. All right. Well, that's that. So, guys, we have an awesome episode. We have an awesome interview this week. For all of you sugar lovers out there, for all of you that grew up baking with the grandparents as a kid, this is your episode. So, we interviewed Natalie, and she is the owner and head baker at Sugar Bake Shop. It also, as you will find in the episode, you call it Sugar Bake. That's how they know you're local. Natalie informed us of that when we were doing our interview. So uh, you can go. It's Sugar Bake Shop is the full name, and we have an awesome interview. Natalie is awesome. Uh, had a great time. And if you love a good, you know, old school baking and you want some uh, fun twists on some nostalgic bakes like Pop-Tarts and all that stuff, we're not going to ruin the episode, but you'll want to tune into this. So... We'll do our normal segment here, Sweat, and then uh, we'll let you guys, we'll shut up, let you guys listen and enjoy our conversation with Natalie at the end here, so. Very good, Emu. Cookies are amazing. I've had a few. She let us try a few, and I tried one of the cupcakes. I think that either the cupcake or the s'mores cookie was actually my favorite, so you'll hear more. Yes, yes, stay tuned. To finish out my initial fun facts, because I kind of just went straight into them this week. One that I thought was the biggest news of the week, or one of the bigger news, is Rockies opened for full capacity this week. And today, which is Monday, June 28th, they basically had an opening date 2.0. So if you saw today, my office is pretty close to the stadium. There were fireworks. There was a flyover. There was like the whole thing. And they basically tried to treat it like it was opening day again. So very exciting, especially before the All-Star Weekend, which put it on your calendars. It's the July 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. And the actual game, I believe, is on the 13th. So if you don't want to deal with downtown traffic and getting hit by Rockies traffic, I'd probably mark it on your calendar for 11th, 12th, and 13th. Because I believe one of those nights is the – we will go into this maybe more next week, but – one of those nights is the home run derby, and then one night is the actual uh, game, and then they have some other kind of game that they're playing. I would imagine most Rockies games create a lot of congestion. 
when the stadium's actually full for the All-Star game, I bet you it's just mayhem. So be aware of that. And I did hear this weekend, somebody's got to confirm it or deny it. Supposedly, if you get into the stadium before the first hit or the first like person at bat, the beers up at the bar, like that rooftop bar, are discounted, like three or four bucks a beer. So somebody please confirm or deny that that was from a local. So I kind of had to believe it. All right. Well, I'm going, I'm going the day that this airs. So I will, we'll report back next week, but I'm going to take a play out of sweats book. I have, this is kind of a blend of what did we learn this week as well as kind of a fun fact. I'm going to start with the more boring one and then I'm going to end with the more exciting one. So the more boring one is, there is a new program that Denver is implementing and it is called the bring your own bag program. So essentially what this is, is that if you are at a grocery store, if you are at, you know, your local Costco, wherever you may get single use plastic or paper bags, Costco may be different because you get the box things, but mostly in your grocery stores, liquor stores, etc., you will be charged 10 cents per disposable plastic or paper bag starting July 1st. So as of the date of this episode airing, you have about two more days until you will need to either bring your own bag and, you know, you put all your stuff in a reusable bag to not use a bag at all. It basically look like you're stealing everything like the sweat and I talked about, or three, just use your normal disposables. They're single use paper and plastic bags, but be charged 10 cents per bag. So I will say one thing, Sweat, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse on this. That's essentially it. The one thing that I wanted to bring that I did not understand, obviously it's pretty straightforward. What is interesting that I read about is that 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 10 cents, the city gets 60%, the store gets 40. So that is the breakdown of that fee. There are exemptions. I'm not going to beat a dead horse because I think that it's straightforward it, it kicks in on Thursday. You will be charged 10 cents. There's not a lot, a lot more to talk about. If you are on like low income, you know, supplemental income, whether that be food stamps or whatever, you are exempt from this rule. So there are exceptions, but for the vast majority of us, this affects basically everyone. And, and more specifically, it affects any retailer selling consumer goods, household items, or groceries. So that includes department stores, convenience stores, liquor stores, hardware stores, drug stores, grocery stores, all of the above. So just be aware that's something that you'll need to consider. It's going to take some getting used to for sure, but just get in the habit. If you just leave a reusable bag in your car, that'll probably be the best and most efficient way. So that's that. Now the fun one and the one that I'm really pumped about. So Sweat, are you familiar with what a NFT is? Or a non-fungible token? I mean, I really don't want to go to like class right now and learn this much about NFT. So it I is know the general premise. Okay. It is essentially a be be quick. It is a unit of data that's essentially stored using like blockchain. So you get an NFT and you when you buy this NFT, that is the only NFT in the world of that. It's not inter- interchangeable. It's not um you know, and it's, it's unique. So when you buy an NFT, people are paying like millions of dollars for these crazy things. The cool part, our good friends over at Denver Beer Co. decided to hop on the NFT train. Now, what that could, you know, essentially it, a lot of these NFTs are just collectibles and they don't really do anything. The difference is 
through July 7th, you can bid on this NFT by Denver Beer Co. And the owner of this NFT gets free beer for life. So right now, the bidding right now is at 26, it's $2,660. And you have to use cryptocurrency to buy it on the exchange. You can go on their website and see it. But right now, and it's going to be way more than that, but essentially right now, if you if you won that at $2,600, you got free beer for life. And there is a, the Redeemer can have up to four free beers each day until they die, until like four for their life. So you can get on it. Bidding started June 23rd. Bidding ends July 7th, 2021. And if you just go on their website or Google Denver Beer Co. NFT, you will see it. But pretty cool. I mean, I probably shouldn't have told you the guys that because I wanted to bid on it and hopefully, but you know, it is what it is. So you can actually go and like I said, bid, bid over, you know, bid their, bid on their website. And they did some fun math just to say, you know, to, to break it down and make it more like, you know, input in your head. They said this NFT would be worth nearly 95,000 beers if the winner was 35 years old and lived to be a hundred. Now, if you take 95,000 beers you know, that, that equates to about $664,000 in today's prices. However, if you account for essentially inflation, the NFT becomes worth around or over $4.5 million. So again, it's kind of fun math. It's like hypotheticals that it's not really going to happen, but I mean, it's, so, that's assuming you had four beers every day. Right. So it's like, but still valuable, dude. So, yeah. So what's your break even, Matt? Where what would be your number, dude? I, I mean, if like I have no plans on leaving Denver, and so I would honestly probably, I, dude, it just kind of depends. If it's under five grand, I'd, I'm throwing, I'm probably gonna throw money at it. Uh, yeah, because if be you, if you think about too. that, four beers in it, and it says that you can actually, it's four beers each day to enjoy and share with friends. So you can go on a Tuesday with two with a buddy have two beers each and you it's not only your beers you can actually divvy those out to individuals that you're with so i mean dude you're gonna be the most popular guy i mean you're gonna probably get sick of dbc beers but i mean there's no reason to go anywhere else for happy hour than just to get free beers you know four free beers every day as long as you want so for the rest of your life yeah. so cool. that, like that was really that's cool good, right so those are good words you learned i like those right so that's a, you know, a kind of a blended, what did you learn? But the, the one that I was most excited about was the DBC and that team. So, yeah. show, you know, throw those acronyms out to your friends, you know. Yeah, I like get, it. Get them. If you're wealthy and love DBC, there you go. This is your, this is your time to shine, baby. So, so where'd we go this yeah. week? So where we go this week, we went to, we have talked about this on the show, but we've never gotten fully in depth. It is movement, climbing, yoga, and fitness. This is the place that is connected to our dear friends over at Improper City. It is, they say it is 40, the one in Rhino is 40,000 square feet and has nearly 200 boulder, what they call problems, to suit every level and style of climbing. So I went last Friday night, did just, a, you know, after work, went with a buddy and his girlfriend, we climbed a little bit and then we slipped over and you know, got a couple beers at Improper City. It was super relaxing, nice night. Um, we went in, climbed. We all made our attempts. We had 
different levels of climbing, which is really nice because they kind of have these different levels of, you know, you can do gray, which is easiest. And then it goes, I believe it was green, yellow, orange. And then after that it gets blurry just because I'm not that good of a climber, but super fun. It's a really good, I think, family fun event. It's a good thing. I think you could take a girl on a date if you want to show that you're outdoorsy or if she likes to climb and you want to do something that like maybe she hasn't tried before. Um, for day passes, they are, the pricing comes in. It's for day pass, it's $22. And if you want to do a seven visit pass, like a punch card, it's 140. And then climbing shoes will cost you $6. And then if you want to be advanced, you can rent a chalk bag with chalk for $2. So that's just the general, um, just go in, climb. You can, there also is a gym, so you can work out. But really what it is, is most people I think that are in there are actually true members of the gym. So the cool part is, is there's this massive climbing section, which is a large scale bouldering place, which is very perfect for Denver. But then there is a separate gym section with, you know, weights and cardio machines and, you know, rowers, treadmills, et cetera. And then there also is a like yoga and fitness rooms. So they do do offer classes. If you are, I think you can go for day passes or a member, they do yoga and they do like fitness classes. So for today on June 29th, they did a flow class, vinyasa, they did a conditioning trail fit and mat abs. They did another vinyasa power flow. So it seems like they're pretty focused kind of on yoga if you're doing their classes and some like hit stuff. Um, looking into it from further pricing for a member, if you wanted to join as an individual, it looks like the costs are $49 for your initial fee. And then every month after that, or every month of the membership is $82, which isn't too bad for how much you can get. You can get free classes and everything. And then for a family membership, it's $146 and that allows for two adults and I think as many children under the age of 18. It doesn't really say how many kids and that's 146 with a $49 entry fee. So it does also mention that if you're a non-married couple and you're committed to relationship, you can show that and you show that you live at the same address and you're in a relationship they will give you the family pricing, which is kind of cool. So if you and your wife or significant other want to do that, that's really cool. Um, I would add also that movement got purchased by a group called El Cap Climbing. And you can go to any of these gyms across the country. So there's one in Baker, Colorado. There's one in Boulder, Colorado. There's one in Inglewood. There's one in Golden. There's the one that we've been to in Rhino. And then, I mean, there's a couple in Chicago, there's three or four out in California, there's a couple in Maryland. So really, to be honest, I mean, this gym is great for the single use and going and having fun with friends, but also being a member, like, does give you quite a bit of benefits. Yeah, dude, that's cool. I mean, I love it. It's like, I mean, if you go and work out there, it replaces your gym membership. And I mean, 80, 80 you know, under 90 bucks a month. That's, I mean, that's not, that's generally what you would expect at a, you know, 24 hour fitness or wherever. Plus you get a pretty awesome rock wall, you know, that, that 24 hour yeah. fitness, they'll give you a little binky thing, if anything, you know, so. Yeah. 
next place. It's pretty insane, like how good people are at climbing there. So you can learn a lot from random people or try it yourself. Right. So what would you rate us with? Movement. I think I'll rate it as a single user just because that's what I I think most of our listeners will probably do and what I did. And you know, I I really enjoy bouldering. It's something that's like it's safe. It's not like you're falling off a cliff. It's relaxing and they have like music on and stuff. So it's really just kind of a good thing to go do on like any kind of night of the week. So I'm gonna give it an eight point seven. Wow. That's solid, man. That's really solid. That's solid. And part of that is I I just – I think it's a good time. I think it's relaxing, and and it's a good workout at the same time. So it just kind of combines everything that I like to do. Perfect. Okay. There you go, folks. Movement, 8.7. Heard it from Sweat himself. So – Give it a give it a shot. Definitely worth it, especially you know if you if you love climbing rocks and stuff. So there you go. All right. So like we said, the what did we try this week is going to be our interview. So Sweat, I think without further ado, you know here is Natalie Slevin again. She is the owner and head baker at Sugar Bake Shop. So hope you guys have a great week, a safe Fourth of July weekend, and we will be back next week. Love you guys. Go out. And try some sugar bake cookies as well. That too. That too. Life's too short to not eat sugar. So see you next week, peeps. All right, everyone. So we have Natalie Slevin here today with us. She is the owner of Sugar Bake Shop. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, let's let's start off um, with with just getting to know you a little bit. So can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself, Natalie, your kind of background, how you got here and, you know, how Sugar Bake Star Bake Shop kind of got started? Yeah, totally. It's so funny. Side note, too, by the way, we call it Sugar Bake instead of Sugar. It's sugar called, bake. Yeah, legally, it's called Sugar Bake Shop. But I think over the years, it's become this really shortened version of Sugar Bake. So you're you're well, right clearly on. I like it better because that's just kind it of fits. Sugar it bake. fits. So. Our customers started calling it that and then we kind of <laughs> okay. played off of it. So yeah, you're Did right you know? on the money. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, so I have lived in Denver for about 15 years. I'm originally from Illinois. Um, I'm a Midwest girl, grew up there, went to college there. And then when I was like 22 ish, I moved out to Denver, just call the mountains, you know, like we all kind of do when we're feeling that draw and, um, got a job running a a chocolate shop in Cherry Creek. And it was like, I guess it was almost when the recession was beginning, um, it was super slow and I didn't ever have any work to do. And it was quiet. And so I started writing a business plan for a baking company called Sugar Bake Shop. And it was really just for fun. It was like the cupcake craze was kind of starting in New York City. And I'd always loved baking. I grew up in the kitchen. Um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So I always knew I'd probably own some sort of business. And I was like, well, this could be fun. It's just maybe a side gig catering or the way it ended up is I started a farmer's market stand. in the Cherry Creek Farmer's Market. So I would uh, bake for like, I don't know, 12 hours on Friday, just tons and tons of cupcakes and maybe some brownies and stuff like that. And then early Saturday morning, my girlfriends would meet me at the Cherry Creek Farmer's Market and we would all throw on aprons and drink mimosas 
elite. We, that was kind of under the table. We weren't allowed to drink mimosas, but we did. And we would just sling cupcakes to customers. And that's how it started. It was um, a really, really fun summer. And it ended up being really successful. I was able to meet a lot of restaurant owners that needed somebody to do wholesale baking for them, catering companies, um, birthday parties, weddings, things like that just started kind of rolling in. And I, I truly didn't expect it. Like I thought this would be kind of like a fun side gig, but it started keeping me so busy that I ended up just rolling with it. And I, I quit my job and dug into this full time. And, um, yeah, so it's been 12 years now and I'm still going, <laughs> but yeah, it's been wow. a really fun little journey. That's all. And how long after, <clears throat> how long after the farmer's market did you open your actual store location? So I was um, two and a half years in to the farmer's market. So I was able to, you know, the farmer's market only runs for the summer. So during the winter time, I took all that wholesale business that I had and I would bake in the winter and deliver pastries every morning to coffee shops and restaurants and whoever needed that stuff. So I, at that point, while I was doing that, started really solidifying the business plan and going to banks and seeing if anybody would give a 25 year old girl money for a bakery, uh, during a recession. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, just kind of like learning, learning bit by bit. And finally I was able to secure the financing and also, um, secure a lease and had no idea what I was doing, but it was, it was super fun, good learning experience. And, um, yeah, from then on, we've been in that location for 11 years now. So it's, it's been a lot of figuring. For financing, did you pick out a second mortgage on your home? No. <laughs> the, reason no I so ask is, the reason I ask is you have like multiple people that we've talked to of like breweries or like different things. And they're like, yeah, I just took out a second mortgage on my house. It was the worst idea I ever had, but somehow I'm alive and I'm here. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, oh, it's incredible. And you know, there's this like certain bit of entrepreneurship where it's, it's calculated risk, but the risk is, is big. And what ended up happening was, Again, I was 25. It was during a recession and I wanted to open a bakery. It's like, what is happening? You know, like who's going to give this girl any money? I had no, I had no money. I didn't own a house. Um, but my, my dad had owned a company for years. He was an entrepreneur as well. So he was kind of my guide through this whole process of Anytime he had questions with, about taxes or employees or any of that, he would answer. And then he would actually call into all of the bank meetings when I was in there asking for loan money. And because he was back in Illinois. So I would get into the meeting. We'd call my dad. Um, the banker would be looking at everything. And then he would say, you know, Mr. Slevin, do you want to get a second mortgage on your house? And if you, <laughs> if you do that, um, but I ended up, it was really sweet because um, I got denied, I think, by five different banks. And, you know, that's part of it. But my last meeting I walked out of and my dad called me right away after I got denied. And he said, I wanted you to experience what this is like because it's really important to know, one, how to get denied and two, how to keep showing up for it. And he said, I'd like to, to invest in your business with you. So my dad became my main investor and that was pretty priceless. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, that, that's a, I'm sorry, my golden retriever makes. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, yeah. We've to Andrew's point. I mean, some of the stories we've heard are crazy and they're, it's, it's crazy Wild. similar. 
they all are because I mean, five getting denied by five, we've heard like 20 plus with some of these people. And it's like, it just goes to show like entrepreneurship does not, there's a level of, of that. That's not, not natural that or like that's that you have to learn that and you have to learn that grit and like, it's not easy. And it's like, it, it just, man, that's kudos to you. That's awesome. I don't know if I, I have thin skin, so I don't take rejection. It, it, yeah. Well. Oh my gosh. You know what? I think that we all do. And it is, it's this really, when you look back, especially after years and kind of see what you've accomplished, you kind of forget how many times you have to fall down to, to really hit any level of success. And I think a lot of the companies that we see today that are successful and that are happily sharing their story, you all, it's almost like, yeah, you just, it, maybe like, I, I don't have children, but maybe like childbirth where you kind of forget how painful it was to get to where you are, but right. yeah, learning, yeah. learning to be denied and to be made a fool of in front of other people is a really good skill because <laughs> that's yeah, a lot of what business owning is for sure. Right. <laughs> and not knowing, you know, like there's so much unknown to, to owning a place and especially um, the food industry changes so much that, right. yeah, it's, it's a school of hard knocks is what mm-hmm. I've paid into for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> and so now I know there, you know, this is an industry that's, you know, rampant with competition, as you just mentioned. So what, mm-hmm. let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, sugar bake. Now I'm, yeah. I'm a local mouse of so sugar bake. <laughs> um, what, what makes it unique, you know, from other bakeries in town? What, uh, you know, what makes your shop special? Um, I think that, well, one, we make a homemade pop tart, we call it the popster. And that's what we're the very most known for. It's this, um, you know, it's, it looks like the pop tart that we all grew up with as kids, but it's, it's, they're all made by hand. The pastry is phenomenal. They're vegan. We make all the fillings in house. Um, and we have nine different flavors of those. Um, and that kind of started as a fluke project one week when we had first opened the shop, but I think that that has put us on the map a lot. We're, I've always modeled Sugar Bake Shop to be just like an American classic bakery. So, you know, you take the sweet or the cupcake that you had as a kid and I just try to make it a little bit more fun or like the Pop-Tart, for example, or sometimes we make homemade Twinkies or things that like have that nostalgia, but also just add an element of just a little bit more playfulness to it, I guess. Um, So I think that like, having things that are nostalgic brings us a little bit more attention than other places in town. There's so many good bakeries in town. And one thing I always learned really early on with running the business is as long as I stay really true to what I think is fun and what I love doing, then the rest falls into place. And like the competition doesn't really, it's such a big city. And I I've never really looked at it as a, an outside threat or anything. It's kind of like, we're all just doing, doing what we do, but I just try to keep it really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess with the pop tart being, that's kind of like your guys's signature item. Would you say that's the item that you're the most proud of? And it was like, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. It's, I mean, truly the way that the popster started, um, it was a super slow week. I think we'd only been open for maybe like six months. And, you know, at that point with a retail location, people just don't really come in because they don't know you're there yet. And so we just tried this very small batch of, of homemade pop tarts and, um, we made, I don't know, 12 or 18 of them and we sold them in a day. And this last year we sold 70,000 of them. 
So it's like oh it's gone from this tiny you said, little. You said 70,000? 70, <laughs> 70, 70, yeah, 70,000. It's wild. Yeah, it's really crazy. And you know, they're all they're all made by hand. We we fill them by hand, we close them by hand, we glaze them by hand. Um, we wholesale them around the city, but we have a lot of people that come in from out of town that have seen them on various, you know, programs or, or articles that want to take a bunch home, uh, weddings are really popular. So yeah, I think that's the product I'm most proud of. It was so unexpected and it's just been, it's the epitome of playfulness. I think that's what I love about it. <laughs> awesome. What's yeah. the, what's if, if we've never had a pop tart from your bakery, what would be the number one flavor to try the number one flavor would probably be we have one that's red raspberry with pistachios on top that's my personal favorite and i think that this summer that's been the one that's like cranking through the bakery we also have strawberry we've got blueberry brown sugar cinnamon with a maple glaze um mixed berry what else do we have oh we have a lemon lavender that's really good um and I love that. It's like all the OG pop tart flavors, like the, yeah, the brown sugar yeah. one. Like that's like I feel like yes. everyone's go to. Like that was yes. like in the nineties, like the OG. Totally, <laughs> totally. Well, you know what's so funny oh. too? We always have this chat of like, which one did you eat without putting it in the toaster? Too, you know, like yeah. there. And for me, it was brown sugar cinnamon. I could for sure always eat that one, like straight out of the package. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you does it does the pop tart have? Because I always remember this is personal, like how I always do it. The pop tart would have like you'd have the pastry and then you'd have like the the filling, but then you'd have a little bit of like a crust on the outside. Is yours? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It okay. does. It looks like that only like a supermodel edition. <laughs> like it's really pretty. They're it's not, um, yeah, not mass produced. It's actually yeah. made in like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's got really cute <laughs> little crimp marks around along the edge. It's the same it. shape, maybe a little bit bigger, and definitely it's it's uh got more filling in it than the ones from from Kellogg but yeah okay yep say no more you're right yeah they're good they're good (laughs) so so Natalie what about like outside of um outside of those what like if our listeners came in today what other off like products do you guys have that you could pick up that maybe yeah oh there's so many there's so many fun things um another thing we're really well known for is our s'mores cookie so that's a graham cracker base, and then it's a chocolate chip marshmallow cookie. And then we top it with little Hershey's square. They're so good. And really like, um, you, you can't beat that one. Um, we have a whole bunch this summer of different cookie sandwiches. I'm like a super fan of, again, it's kind of things that I had as a kid that were like just comforting. So we have a ginger cookie that we fill with like an orange cream cheese frosting and sandwich it together. And then we have a sprinkle cookie with a vanilla sandwich on the inside um, vanilla buttercream. So we do a, a lot of stuff like that. We have, um, Emily Campbell is my head, um, designer for our cakes and our cookies. And she does an incredible job of making these really beautiful cakes that go out and they have really intricate, um, floral designs, or she does some with succulents and, um, different kinds of cacti and stuff like that. Those have been really popular. We also do a lot of like political leaning things, or social leaning things, um, just to bring a little bit of attention. We have this, these cookies for a cause that we do. So we usually design those up and then sell them for whatever cause we're doing for the month. Um, but yeah, all sorts of things and everything is made every morning. So we just kind of, we have a set menu and we have, of course, like the greatest hits, but then if we are having a, a wild day, we'll put something new out. 
Okay. That's so you, so you know, it really, you could get some pretty crazy stuff if you just happen to walk in. on. Yeah. Yeah. Day. Just kind of, okay. just kind of depending. And it's for sure key, um, at any bakery, but our bakery for sure too, that the later you come, the less there is. So coming, sure. coming in the morning is super important. Cause then you get the whole, you know, the whole lineup, our cinnamon rolls are super popular. They're in really fun. Natalie, I'm not about yeah. stuffing my face in the morning with cookies <laughs> I and know. pastries. So I know. You that, gotta just commit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. So okay, so I have to I have to ask. And um, you know, I'm gonna be at the middle schooler giggling in the corner, but you guys have a boob cake. <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I have to we have to understand how that started and I, I couldn't find anything on on the internet i also wanted to be careful what i googled so i know uh, you do have to watch that <laughs> just, yeah can yeah you tell us a little bit about that how that started I, and like what i that definitely can like? yeah, yeah that's, that's what, that is so I funny to, We've... <laughs> i was yeah i saw that matt was gonna ask that question and that was one thing i wanted to google on my work computer so i'm at work and i was like yeah, it's probably bad. <laughs> yeah, should I do that? Or yeah. Well, allow me to fill you in. Um, so every, you know, major holidays or social movements or whatever, we like to create treats accordingly. So for international this was for International Women's Day. And we've done this for, I don't know, two or three years probably. Um, it's not the shape of a boob, it has boobs all over it. So that it, we just, it was kind of just to be, make a statement that boobs are beautiful. They all look different. Everybody has a different set, but they're all, you know, they're all worthy. So, um, we also had boob cookies that we made as well. So like each, it was a round cookie with a pair of boobs on it. And, um, part of the proceeds from the sales of those went to, I believe it was, um, I believe it was Black Girl Ventures where that money went but it was just for black girl ventures is a an organization that raises money and awareness for helping um black women get into business owning themselves so that was fun to be able to fund put some of our money towards that but yeah a lot of people have been wondering about that boob cake we also um just to be like on the on the silly side of things with valentine's day we have a line of we call them not so X-rated cookies, but they're gingerbread men that we make into little BDSM characters. <laughs> <laughs> they're really Ooh. funny. Yeah, they're really, really cute. Yeah. So we, we again, it's like, I don't know. I've always just had this thought with a bakery that it's fun, you know, and it should yeah. be fun and throw some boobs on a cake and, you know, let people let people giggle about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like next year we'll have to stop by there for Valentine's Day. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, my gosh. Right. Well, and it's so funny because those BDSM cookies were like the hit of the season. Like everybody wanted them. And it was it was interesting to me how people were reaching out to get them. Like you could order them on the online store, but when people would come in and see them and that they could just get them from the counter, there was always this like hesitation like should I feel embarrassed about this and I was always like we made them we're putting it out there so like have at it there's no judgment (laughs) like the first time like the first time you're like buy alcohol and you're under it yeah totally totally this this feels yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh totally yeah so focusing more on your guys's cookies and the process um is there something special that you feel that you guys do within your process to make such good product or is it just that's such a good question um i i truly 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 believe that 
the energy that we put out every day in our world, us connecting right now in the people that I meet and in also the way that I show up in the kitchen is translated into the baked goods. And so we make everything from scratch. It's all made by hand in small batches. Um, and we're all like my whole staff. I think that we're all a very just like good aware group of people and we show up positively to work. So I truly believe that energy like helps, but, um, but then from like the very practical side of things, we use organic sugar and everything, which is kind of fun and different probably from a lot of other bakeries. There's like a depth to really good sugar that just changes how things taste. And then because we make everything on, in smaller batches too, I think that does make a difference. You, you, there's no preservatives in anything. So you get that homemade kind of taste that you're hoping for when you have a baked good instead of that you know, like grocery store, plasticky, overly sugared kind of flavor. So yeah, I think, I think that those, those couple of things, we just keep it really simple and genuine. How was, how was the transition from your cooking for nine hours on a Friday in your, in your home, your apartment kitchen to now you're making it for a lot of people in a yeah. you know, larger bakery? How did that was that a rough transition over to bigger, bigger scale or was that? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, you learn a lot and you mess up a lot. I for sure. Like, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes and, you know, with Denver being so high up to that changes baking recipes because your, um, leaveners you use, like your baking soda, your baking powder react a lot faster. So your leavener ratios to your liquid ratios have to alter, pretty much for any recipe that you bring in until you figure it out. And then at that point you have to scale it out to, to provide, you know, enough stuff for however many people you're baking for. So yeah, it was, there was a big learning curve. There still is sometimes if there's something new I'm trying or a new method of doing things. But, um, I, I learned from that to like stick to what I love and like make the things that I really want to master and handcraft and make sure that they're really good. And, and because of that too, our, I've limited our menu, you know, we're not like, there's some bakeries that have 300 items on the menu, but we've got, I don't know, 50. And it's like, there are things that I know that I could make blindfolded and they'd turn out pretty good. So yeah. Love, but yeah, it's, it's different using all that butter. <laughs> we, yeah. we go through, about, yeah. I think we go through about 90 pounds of butter in a weekend. So it's like way different from home baking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, have you ever reached out to your mom or your grandma about cookie making? Yes. Oh, so much. I mean, so my mom is, um, she's the one that taught me how to, how to cook and how to bake. And she's, Greek. Her, her family is Greek. And so I learned Greek pastry pretty early on. And I still call her with like, especially the Greek pastry questions. Like, how do I do this? Cause she didn't ever have recipes for any of that stuff. She always made it just off of the top of her head. So I've over the years, you know, slowly tried to, to copy things down as I've, I've learned them, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny how it's such a generational thing. It passes on. Did you guys, I'm always curious, did you guys ever have any like nostalgic baking things like cake or, and that that even falls into the lines of like, I got a birthday cake from the grocery store every year and it was this flavor or this, you know, 
I'm always curious about people. I definitely had. So there's two things in my mind as a kid cookie cakes were like my go-to oh yeah that was like I I don't know how popular those are or have been but like if it wasn't a cookie like my mom knew cookie cake or bust on my birthday I love it I love that there was a phase there up to like 12 where I had it every time right and then like then there was a phase there where I didn't really have it and I had a cookie cake for the first time in probably 10 years like six months ago and it still is delicious and I'm like man I forgot how good these things are so (laughs) That's kind of mine. <laughs> That's awesome. And when you had it, did it kind of bring back like, oh, oh man. Oh, it blasts from the past for sure. And it yeah. like made me like want to go out and go like buy cookie cakes on like the regular, which I don't know if that's like <laughs> yeah. probably frowned upon by society, just like having a cookie cake for like no reason in my kitchen. Because but... it's Friday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. It's my Friday cookie cake. So yeah. I, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. And mine's... I don't know, mine's hard to say. Mine's probably cookie cake and then transferred to ice cream cake. Um, ah, yeah. We always had, <laughs> we always had type one, di- my sister's type one diabetic and I am as well. So it was like always something where my mom always brought them like the sugar-free stuff and everyone was like, yeah. I want to eat sugar-free cookies. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> takes all the fun out of it. But yeah, but yeah I mean, for real, it's, it's funny. My grandfather was also type one diabetic. And so for his birthday celebrations, it was always like a, a really light angel food cake. And that was kind of yeah, it. And yeah. then us kids would get the ice cream on the side too. But yeah, there's sweets are, they're rooted, you know, they're like part of, part of our history so much. And I love hearing about other people's. Yeah. It's super it's just, fun. Yeah. This is bringing me back too, as well. So, but, <laughs> I'm so all like, for a Friday cookie cake, by the I way. I know, right? Now now I'm like, yeah, now everyone's going to be watching me in grocery stores. Seeing Do it. Yeah. <laughs> a whole is he cake. getting it? Oh, <laughs> Must be Friday. Gosh. Well, so Natalie, how many, um, how many of your like cookies and products do you eat in a week? Like, do you, do you, are you like, are you, you know, that does sound like a bad gig, but I can imagine if you, you can only have so many yeah or you're like all right if I eat one more cookie I might throw up so like is it like 20 cookies a week or are you now just like it's a process down and it is zero (laughs) I like yeah I barely barely eat anything anymore and it's not because I don't like it it's more just I think you're around it I'm around it so much that I I just kind of phase out and then you know when we do our test kitchen stuff that's a lot of kind of diving back in but because I don't eat it on the regular those days, especially I'm just kind of like, you feel, you know, I'm kind of like, Ooh, I, I, I believe yeah. in sugar. I believe in the celebration of dessert, but too much of it, too much of anything is, is not a good thing. Um, oh. so yeah, I've just kind of gotten to a point where, and, and I actually, I don't keep sugar in my house either. I've, I've gotten to a point where I leave it all at the bakery. That's the place to kind of do the processing. And then when I'm home, I, I don't have any. But I do have my moments of weakness. I mean, if there's like a dessert that's going out for a wedding that I never get to have or um, something like, again, like a s'mores cookie that's warm and I am having a day, then <laughs> I'm not yeah, stoked about it. But yeah. yeah. Some people smoke yeah. cigarettes, Natalie. Cr- yeah, cr- I'm uh, going for the s'mores cookie. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, I really don't eat Yeah, that's much. something... Uh... If you ever need any uh, test kitchen good, people. Good to know. Yeah, I'll keep you guys in mind for sure. If you could take over that element of my job after like hour two, usually when we test kitchen, we like, you know, it'll be, I don't know, four or five items that we go through. So you kind of start from the process of 
measuring it all out and then making the dough and trying the dough and then baking it and then trying when it's warm and trying when it's cool and all of those different stages. It's like, oh man. So yeah, I would, I could use some assistance after a little bit in there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll send our resumes over. Um, Deal. Deal. We, we've been known to eat occasionally. So, uh, we'll, Consider we'll, we'll this your like entry interview. So you exactly. guys are halfway there. Oh man. How the tables have turned <laughs> yeah. on us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have like a super day at the bakery. Uh, what is oh, that's, that's my kind of super day. It's like, all right, taste yeah. this. What flavor is that? It's strawberry. All right, cool. Yeah. It could be like it reminds me of uh like Napoleon Dynamite where he's trying the different <laughs> yeah. milks. He's like, this one got yeah, the into the down. onion patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I still think about that movie so often. It's such a good one. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um so kind of a little bit more serious question or somewhat serious. Uh, what's been the biggest change, I guess, kind of pre post COVID and kind of what was your biggest challenge being a oh, man. Imagine you get a lot of excitement from coming into your store. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been such a wild ride for us all. Hasn't it? <laughs> um, I think like the biggest, so before COVID it's interesting. I was actually working with a real estate broker to, to move into a warehouse. Cause we were growing at such a pace. I had 16 employees and I had a wedding department, a wholesale department and a retail department. And we were all operating this one, you know, conglomeration in our little space. So I had been working with a real estate broker to find a warehouse. This was in January um, of 2020. And we had looked at so many properties and nothing was hitting, you know, I just, I couldn't find the right space, but I was feeling this anxiety of like, we got to get into the space. We have to expand and nothing worked. And then COVID hit. And I went from having a staff of 16 to laying off everybody when it first happened. Cause I was like, I, I don't know where we're headed and what's going on. And in this industry too, being amongst the public made a lot of my staff uncomfortable too. Cause you know, you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there. So that was the biggest going from like a hundred miles per hour to zero. Um, but then it, it turned into this really beautiful change where I brought back my management crew. So I had a couple different managers that first came on to start helping and we just kept it really small. We just stayed open on Saturdays and Sundays and made exactly what we wanted. So that was the pop tart and the s'mores cookie. And I don't know, I think we had maybe 10 items, cinnamon rolls, things like that. And it was such a slow, um, unrolling that it felt really natural. And also like we were going to be able to stay afloat. Cause I think in this industry, your profit margins are really slim. And if you can't, if you can't really navigate that, then it's super easy to fall apart really fast. So I kind of, by shutting everything down immediately, it allowed me to start kind of reopening and growing from a very small place. And today, now we're at a place where I have six employees back on staff and we're only open Thursdays through Sundays. And it it works so beautifully. Like it's given me more time to think about my next moves in, in this chapter and in my next chapter. And um, it's also allowed me to have a team that is so tightly knit and we're all, we work so well together. And, and that's been it's really been profound and it's been a gift. Like I, I wouldn't have expected that from the scary place that we started, but um, yeah. Yeah. It feels good to still be around. Yeah. yeah. So leading out of COVID and your crystal ball question, what do you see 
sugar bake in five years and what do you oh that's exciting yeah that's so exciting (laughs) um I think I want I want sugar bake to be the place in Denver that people stop when they come into town to get their pop tart you know you go to Coors Field to watch baseball game you go to um maybe the cherry cricket to grab a burger park burger I don't know you know and then um you come to Sugar Bake Shop and get a popster and experience that neighborhood. I would love, I would love for that. I think um, we've done a lot of talks now with everybody, you know, still operating from home more than we ever have. We've done a lot of talks about doing online tutorials for people to start taking classes with us to see how you can do different baking projects at home. Um, we've talked a little bit about making the popster more of a a national thing that we could maybe ship around. So talked about that a little bit. There's one thing that I have learned over the last year. It's, it's that there's just a constant pivot and to be in allowance of like things kind of evolving and shifting. So with that, I think there's a lot of dreams for both personal and professional growth, but it's kind of like, which direction is it going to go? You know, we're, we're super comfortable with where we're at right now in terms of being open Thursdays through Sundays. But I think the goal will be to be open Wednesdays through Sundays and then closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. So we can have a couple days, days off. And then, um, yeah, from there, just hopefully keep up the brand recognition that we have and keep it happy and playful and a good spot for people to land simple things yeah yeah what i love i love about like the the sugar bacon what i was reading online about like how you know it seems like you're very community driven in the sense of you know exclusive or inclusive exclusivity (laughs) inclusivity is such an important part you know going above and beyond just the products and and, Mm -hmm. you know wanting to be as inclusive with everyone but can you can you tell a little bit about like why what drove you to really drive that inclusivity and then specifically what I was reading, you know, up on you guys, you know, you have a, you play a big role in the deaf community. Like how did that become? Mm, I yeah. think it just seems very, not odd. It just seems kind of random of like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, add, add that in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I, for me, it's always been super important that if somebody's going to come into my business and give me money for something, it's, I, I feel like it's an honor that they're even willing to give me their time. So with myself and with my staff, it's always been like, look at people in the eye and remember what they like and remember, you know, when their kid's birthday is, if you can, or whatever, you know, where they went on vacation or because sometimes for us, we're maybe the first people that somebody sees in a day. And I just think like that exchange of kindness or energy is like that, that can make or break a day. And if it's good, it can like ripple out to some other people. So it's always been really important for me to make sure that people feel welcome. And, um, our kitchen, is open. So you can actually watch us baking. Um, the counters are real low. So you can kind of always see what's going on. And part of the reason for that was that so people could ask questions while we're baking and also maybe have that bit of nostalgia. If, you know, you walk in your mom's kitchen and see the dough being made or whatever. So there was, that was inherently part of, of who we are. It's just, you're going to have a sweet treat. Enjoy this pause. Thanks for coming in. And then I think like, yeah, we just got louder about that with 2020. There was, it's it's just such a genuinely rooted part of who we are that it's kind of like helping people to have more of a voice if they don't or to help them in a situation that maybe is really hard. And with the deaf community, 
you know, mask wearing was super hard because there was no more mouth reading. And um, none of us know sign language in the shop, but we will, you know, bend over backwards and try to make somebody comfortable if they're going to come in. So my general manager, Amina, actually is the one that started this. We, we had a few people in the deaf community that came in and we had our masks on and that wasn't working. So Amina actually just pulled out a, a notepad and just started writing and passing the notepad back and forth. And it was so simple. And it yep. was really out of a place of kind of like, this is so sorry. This is like, we're really trying here and it's the best we can do. And that just kind of spread, I guess. I, I think that we became kind of known to be, to be familiar with the people in the deaf community. And yep. um, yeah, and it's been a place where they can now feel safe and like, we'll try as hard as we can. And that's, that really is, you know, any realm. We, we just want people to feel, to feel welcome. Yeah. And comfortable. Love it. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's such an important, you know, especially with after 2020, it's like everyone just needs a little kindness and it's like, going yeah. Above like, yeah, you're here for, you know, you're here for the pop tarts. You're here for the the cookies and all that, but like you get an extra dose of like kindness. I think, you know, that's goes a long way. That, that, I, I yeah. Like that. I love yeah. That's, that's for sure my hope. And I, I do think we're all in it, you know, I mean, right. we're all experiencing life and we're all kind of, especially this last year, there was just so much unknown and there was so much kind of chaos that was constantly stirring around. And um, especially like these cookies for a cause that we do, it's like every week there was something else that was coming up that we were like, oh, we should, you know, help these people or give these people a voice or make a cookie for this. But it was like, I think it's because we're all in it. Like we're not right. really any different from each other. It's just that we're all just trying to figure out how to do this. <laughs> right. So right. yeah, yeah. I just want people to feel happy. Well, so Natalie, I, kind of to finish off the interview here, you know, like we kind of talked about pre-interview, we, we like to give you just a, you know, a little bit of time just to, to t- address anything that we may not have covered or anything else that you want our listeners to know you know, about sugar bake and, um, you know, so we just want to give you, if you don't have anything, no worries, no pressure, but, um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk or that you want to mention, or is there anything else that you kind of want to close this out here with? I, you know, I feel like we covered a lot of ground. I think like, <laughs> I, I think the bottom line with sugar bake shop is we're just, we're just a fun place to come in and like see us making the goods and enjoy what we've got. Everything's made from scratch and we really do put our heart into it. So anybody that wants to, we're in the Baker neighborhood of Denver, which was not planned. That's just kind of how it worked out, but um, (laughs) it's such a great little neighborhood anyways. And it's been a really fun spot. So anybody that, that wants to come in, we're, we're open Thursday through Sunday from eight to two. And um, we're just a takeout bakery. So there's not any indoor seating. We have outdoor seating, but yeah, people can come in and and try the popsters, grab a s'mores cookie. Um, We have a, we have a coffee house too. So you can get any kind of espresso drink you want, but yeah, it's just a, just a good fun place. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Natalie, so much for joining us today. Everyone again, that is Natalie Slevin. She is the owner of Sugar Bake Shop, or as the locals call it, Sugar Bake. Natalie, so great to talk to you. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Thanks so much, you guys. I appreciate it.